In October of 2016, River Glen set out on the boldest step of faith that we've ever taken as a church. The elders of River Glen, under the leadership of the Holy Spirit, put before us a vision to commit to radical, bold generosity for the next two years to increase our ability in making more and better followers of Jesus in Waukesha and beyond. We call this next season of ministry unfinished because God's not finished with River Glen as a church, and he's not finished with us as growing disciples. We set forth the goal of raising $7.5 million in generosity commitments so that God can continue to move his mission forward through River Glen. In preparing for Unfinished, we focused on God in prayer and we studied and met together in our small groups. We listened to messages taught from scripture and prayed with God and our families for what it would mean for each of us to take a step of faith and to trust God with 100% of the resources he's given to us. The result was amazing. Not only was our 7.5 million commitment goal reached, but it was exceeded. It was an amazing day of celebration and gratitude to God as we celebrated what he had done through the people of River Glen. Since that moment, the past year has been incredible. We celebrated with over 3,000 people at Christmas Eve services, and then we've welcomed over 330 new people and had over 105 baptisms so far this year. We're so grateful to God and the way he's worked in our church and each family and individual connected to River Glen. I think it's taught us a lot about trust. When God, you know, opens up doors, you know, do you, do you risk it? Do you take it? And do you trust him? And I think it's, it's, it. it's been a huge journey. I mean, we are unfinished. We're unfinished as a people. We're unfinished as a family. And um, we're so excited to be a part of this journey that our church is taking. We believe in our church's mission in uh, making more and better followers of Jesus. And so we're happy to give to God's mission. I don't think God wants us to be comfortable. I think he wants us to go outside and live life and um, look at new journeys and be open to that. So as we embark upon our one year anniversary of Unfinished, we've been praying about what God is saying through all this growth and development. We feel God's been challenging us, stretching us all year long, and we don't wanna rest in our complacency of success, but wanna to continue to rely solely on Him. So we're calling this upcoming season, Stories of Unfinished. We're praying that through Stories of Unfinished, God will speak to us in three different ways. For some of us who are new to River Glen or new to Unfinished, and you have little or no idea about what this unfinished initiative is. You joined our River Glen family sometime after last December and you wonder, what is this unfinished journey and how do I become part of it? See, unfinished is about all of us. Our goal is for 100% of us to participate. We'd love for you to jump in with us and make an unfinished commitment for the final 12 months so that you can experience the spiritual growth that comes from boldly trusting Him. There are others of us who made an unfinished commitment a year ago and since then, some hard times have come. Maybe you stayed strong, maybe you're continuing to persevere, but it has not been easy. Things have come up that you didn't expect, job loss, job change, medical expenses, childcare costs. You didn't know it would be like this when you made your commitment. And to you, I wanna say, be encouraged. Take nourishment from this series and reach out to the God who loves you and who wants to uphold you and strengthen you in the honoring of this commitment you made. For you, this Stories of Unfinished Journey is about you committing to finish strong and that's exactly what I want to encourage you in as you take comfort in Him. Then there are others of us who made an unfinished commitment who have maybe had an increase in faith or in finances over this past year. It's not that making your unfinished commitment has been easy because it has likely required a lot of sacrifice. I know it has for Marnie and me. 
but you are sensing that the Lord may be stretching you to take a, a challenge and to take another unfinished step for him. And so I want to encourage you to do so. Marnie and I stepped out and took the biggest step of faith that we have ever taken with our giving. And I will tell you, it required us to trust and change and even move to a new home, literally. But even for us, we've been compelled by all that God is doing around here. And we want to finish strong by increasing our unfinished commitment. As you think about your next unfinished steps, I want to share with you how God has been working in the three areas of unfinished. Through our commitment to unfinished people, we've provided fuel for our general budget to make sure that all of our ministries to children, students, adults, stay alive and healthy and growing. Recently, we provided a new resource called Right Now Media, and over 600 people are using it, which has helped our group life ministry to grow and involve more people than ever before. We've also revitalized our kid life ministry by updating the weekend teaching curriculum. And we just had our best summer ever in terms of weekend attendance and group life involvement. We continue seeking excellence in everything we do at River Glen so that God can continue to shape us as unfinished people. Unfinished is also about giving more people access to what God's doing through River Glen. That's why we are launching two new campuses. An online campus launches on Sunday, October 29th. And then we launch a new physical campus 15 to 30 minutes away in the fall of 2018. We have a team of dedicated staff and volunteers that have been working hard behind the scenes and making great progress to ensure that both campuses get off to a strong start. This area also includes debt reduction, which will help us launch more new campuses in the future. Unfinished is also about reaching beyond our walls to make more and better followers of Jesus. That's why we increased our church planting goal to include five more new churches by the year 2020 and also unleash a wave of generosity to those in need locally, regionally, and globally. Earlier this year, we sent Brandon Stevenson and his wife Danielle to Pittsburgh to launch one church. They had their soft launch on October 1st and will hold their grand opening in March. And through the relaunch of Love Waukesha in our community this past summer, God has taken our local community involvement to a new level. We have a stronger partnership and connection to our local community. As we find ourselves at the halfway point of this unfinished journey, I want us to take the words of the Apostle Paul to heart. Only let your manner of life be worthy of the gospel of Christ, so that whether I come and see you or am absent, I may hear of you that you are standing firm in one spirit with one mind, striving side by side for the faith of the gospel. So this November, we are declaring that we are still unfinished as a church and as individuals. My hope is that these next few weeks will be encouraging and inspiring for your faith to continue trusting and reassuring Jesus with all of your life. So let's do this. Let's be a people who declare we are unfinished. Welcome, yeah. It's exciting. Yeah, very exciting. And uh, uh, welcome, everybody. So glad that you're uh, here. Good to be together with you. And I want to say welcome to all those joining us online. Today we launch, it's an exciting day, we launch our online campus for the uh, first time. Let's show some appreciation of those online attenders and hosts. It's off to a good start. And uh, we want to 
Uh, welcome you, online campus. Great way to introduce new people uh, to River Glen's real easy. Just go to riverglenlive.cc. We've got some invitation pieces that you'll receive on your way out. Uh, it's hosted by staff and volunteers from River Glen, and it's also a great way for you to stay in touch, stay connected to River Glen. Maybe you're traveling. I don't know. Maybe you're not feeling well. Maybe you're stuck at home or in the dorm or, or, or wherever. It's all part of this journey called Unfinished that we began almost a year ago, and we're getting close to the midpoint. Here's the verse that uh, Unfinished is based on. It's from Philippians chapter 1 where Paul says, I'm certain that God who began the good work within you will continue his work until it is finally finished on the day when Christ Jesus returns. In other words, God's got a plan to work in and through our lives, in and through our church for the rest of our lives. And so we spent some time praying and planning, and we sense God leading us to be an unfinished people, part of an unfinished church, going on an unfinished mission. Now, we're calling this new series Stories of Unfinished because each weekend what we're going to do is unpack a personal story from the New Testament book of Philippians to encourage us, nourish us, maybe even challenge us as we reach the midpoint on this uh, journey called Un Unfinished. Philippians, a very, very popular New Testament book. One of, my, one of my favorites, I would say, out of all of, of Paul's writings, it is really, I think, the most personal. And uh, that's why today I brought along some chains. Yeah, because in chapter 1 of Philippians, Paul uses the word chains four, uh, four times. I don't know if you ever thought about this. I never really spent much time thinking about how chains are really such a basic invention that uh, we use in so many different ways. Historically, back in the ancient world, it's believed that they used chains to lift water out of wells. Today, we use chains every day for hoisting and locking and manufacturing. I remember when my kids were little, and uh, we go to the playground, and they would run to the swings, and they would love to get pushed on the swing. I would, they would hold the chains on the swing really tightly. I remember I would give them an underdog. Anybody remember the underdog? You know, you go all the way through to the other side, push them way high, and they're swinging way up there, holding those chains very tightly. Chains are just part of everyday life. They're also used in, in bicycles and motorcycles and jewelry and, and chainsaws. We use chains all kinds of ways. But you know what? If we're honest, chains have a dark side because chains have been used for torture and violence and to, to, to restrain people and prisoners. And I bring this up because the man who wrote this letter to the church in Philippi that we call the book of Philippians, the, this guy by the name of the Apostle Paul, he's literally in chains as he writes this, this, this letter, just like maybe, maybe chains, just like these uh, chains that I'm holding here. Paul's done nothing wrong, but the authorities, they've beaten him, they've tortured him, they've, they've nearly killed him, and then they've left him in chains for five years, and he's waiting to hear the verdict of whether he's going to live or, or, or die. Try to imagine for a moment how you would feel, you know, if it was you instead of Paul in chains. Would you feel angry? Would you plot revenge? Or would you feel hopeless, lonely, depressed? I'm not going to ask for a show of hands, but my guess is many of us, if we're honest, had moments this past week where you felt alone disconnected, isolated, maybe in a dark place, experiencing a degree of, of, of loneliness. Maybe some of you are going through a season of loneliness right now because you, maybe you moved here recently or maybe you broke up with a boyfriend or girlfriend. Maybe you're going through a divorce. 
Or maybe it's not really a season for you. Maybe you would say, you know what, I've just felt lonely for a long, long time. Many of us live busy lives. We've got endless to-do lists, and it just crowds out any space for relationships. Now, I know it's not a cool thing to admit, but if you're going through bouts with loneliness, you know what? You're part of a growing number of people. Loneliness is on the rise. If you do a Google search on loneliness in America, you're going to find all kinds of studies predicting that loneliness is the next big health epidemic. Over half of Americans say they've got nobody outside of immediate family that they can talk to about their troubles or their triumphs. Most people have no one to talk to or just one person. And research indicates that loneliness is as bad for us physically as it feels emotionally. A study from the University of Chicago discovered that loneliness can cause an increase in stress, high blood pressure, sleep deprivation, and people who experience chronic loneliness are more likely to feel depressed, to be depressed. And if that's not bad enough, doctors admit they provide better and more complete care to people who have uh, supportive family members and friends than those who are alone. So here's a little tip for you today, okay? If you have to go to the emergency room, don't go alone, all right? Take somebody uh, with you. Now, some of you would probably admit you like spending some time uh, alone. You know, maybe you like to read a book by yourself or go for a walk or go for a run. Maybe you like to go to Starbucks and have a coffee by yourself. Sometimes solitude is healthy, but loneliness is different. There's a big difference between being alone and being lonely. And what amazes me about Philippians chapter 1 is that Paul sits alone in chains for five years. But you know what? He's not lonely. In fact, in, in the book of Philippians, Paul uses the word joy 11, and forms of the word joy 11 times. For, for instance, in uh, verse 4, he says, whenever I pray, I make my request for all of you with joy. A few verses later, I rejoice and I will continue to rejoice. And then in chapter 4, rejoice in the Lord always. I'll say it again, rejoice. Paul has found joy in chains. And so what I want to do today is share with you three secrets, three activities that help Paul that can help reduce our loneliness and increase our joy level. And here's the first one is that you discover companionship with Jesus. Discover companionship with Jesus. Now, I know some of you might push back and say, you know, when I feel lonely, I need a real human being, somebody with flesh on their bones. Don't tell me about a spiritual relationship. I need a physical one. Um, but this companionship and friendship is as real and refreshing as Jesus promised it would be. Jesus said, I will be with you always. Take another look at our key verse for unfinished. Notice it says that God began a good work in you. In other words, Jesus began a personal relationship with you. And this verse says, he's not going to quit on you. He's not going to bail on you. He stays with you. You know, some people think, some people have this idea, Jesus, you know, lives in the church building. You know, this is the Lord's house, and we come on the weekends, and we visit him for a little while. Paul says, no, Jesus is with you 24, 24-7. Your body is the Lord's house, and if you cultivate this relationship, it's going to fulfill you and touch you on the deepest levels, emotionally, physically, and, and spiritually. I don't know if you've ever thought about it this way, but loneliness can be productive 
in your life. Loneliness can help you develop a closer relationship with Jesus. Look at this verse from the book of James. I love this verse. It's real simple. Draw near to God, and he will draw near to you. It's simple, isn't it? Notice it doesn't say draw near to God, and he might draw near to you. No, 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 no. It's not a, it's not a principle. It is a promise. Sometimes about with loneliness helps you to follow Jesus better. I want to share with you a, fr- a story a friend of mine told. Uh, uh, she's a campus pastor at a, uh, another uh, church. And uh, I just want to read this story uh, to you. She says, she says, I remember a time when I saw God clearly bring something beautiful out of loneliness in my life. I was working in a campus ministry some years ago and struggling with huge bouts of loneliness. It was Christmas break and all the college students went home for the holidays. I remember wanting to go to this big Christmas concert But with the students gone and no real peer-type friends where I was living, I couldn't find anybody to go with me. I sat in my house feeling lonely and depressed. But then I said, okay, God, I feel so lonely, but I know I'm not alone. I know you're here with me. I'm going to choose to be present with you and live this day with you. So, God, do you want to go to a concert with me tonight? Sure, it felt a little strange, she says. But I got in my car and headed to the concert and asked God to bless me with his presence. When I arrived at the concert, I was headed to the ticket booth when a couple approached me. They said, do you have tickets? And I answered, no. And they said, we have two extra. Are you with anyone? She says, don't you hate that question when you're alone? No, I said. Well, you're with us now, they said. Come on. Next thing I know, I'm sitting fifth row, center section, enjoying the concert I really wanted to see with a spare seat beside me for God. When I asked him to go with me, I had no idea he was going to spring for the most expensive seats in the house. (laughs) Would I have liked to have had a friend go with me? Sure. But rather than being stuck in my loneliness, that day I chose to turn my loneliness into solitude with God. And I experienced his care in a way that blessed me and made me feel loved. Loneliness is an opportunity to get closer and go deeper with Jesus and experience his power and his presence in a greater way in your life. And so when you feel lonely, invite Jesus to meet you in your loneliness and to make, and to make you more aware of his presence. You know, go for a walk with Jesus. Go for a run with Jesus. Read a book with Jesus. Clean your house. Clean your house with Jesus. Okay, that might be going a little bit far. Not sure if Jesus enjoys cleaning houses. But uh, the point is, offer your loneliness to him and look for the beauty that he can bring out of it. I love this statement Paul makes about his personal relationship with Jesus in verse 21. He says, for me to live is Christ and to die is gain. I've heard a lot of, ta- a lot of messages taught on this verse. Most of the time, uh, the emphasis is on the second part of the verse. But I want you to think about the first part. What does that mean? For me to live is Christ. What do you think Paul's saying? He's telling us that the highest priority in his life is his relationship with Jesus. For me to live is Jesus. And that's why Paul finds comfort and joy in chains. How about you? Have you made that decision in your life? My relationship with Jesus is the highest priority in my life. For me to live is Jesus. Next weekend, we're going to have some baptisms in our uh, weekend services, and baptism is really a beautiful way to make that declaration. You know, in baptism, you go under the water to 
uh, express your faith in the death and the burial of Jesus, and you come up out of the water expressing your faith in the resurrection of Jesus. In baptism, you declare that for me to live is Jesus. This is the most important relationship in my life. doesn't mean you're perfect. It means you're not perfect. And that's why you need the, the presence and, and the power of Jesus in your, in your life. If you're interested in baptism, uh, just fill out the cards and seat back in front of you. Drop it off at the connect wall. Drop it in the offering bag. We'd, we'd love to help you take this next step. We've got everything that you need. You even get a really cool t-shirt that you can keep. But uh, most of all, baptism uh, helps us experience greater companionship uh, with Jesus. All right, second activity that reduces loneliness, increases joy. Develop a meaningful network of relationships because next to Jesus, nothing takes the sting out of loneliness like having true friends. Look at these relationships, uh, close relationships Paul had with the people in the city of Philippi. He'd known them for about 10 years. He'd visited there uh, three times. Look at what he says in verse 3. I thank my God in all my remembrance of you always offering prayer with joy in my every prayer for you all. Paul says, whenever I think about you, I drop what I'm doing and I say a prayer of gratitude to God. And this happens all the time. I am so grateful uh, for you. And then in verses 7 and 8, look at this. He says, I have you in my heart. I long for all of you with the affection of Christ Jesus. There's a deep bond here, a deeply satisfying connection between Paul and the people who lived in Philippi. Paul, Paul views them as, as, as more than acquaintances, more than friends. He views them as family. I want to show you a scripture where Jesus talks about relationships in the church. And, you know, we don't really talk about this scripture very often, probably because we have a tendency to have a, a narrow view of family as a husband, a wife, and children, which is great, but look at what Jesus said. One time Jesus' mother and brother showed up as he was teaching a crowd, and uh, they want access to Jesus, and so they sent someone to tell Jesus, your mother and brothers are outside looking for you. And Jesus asked, who are my mother and brothers? And then he, looking at the crowd around him, he said, here are my mother and brothers. Whoever does God's will is my brother and sister and mother. Now, what's going on here? Is Jesus dissing his mother and his brothers? No, he loves his mother. He loves his brothers. But he's challenging his followers to expand their view of family. And so I want you to think about the people that are around you uh, right now. The people that you know uh, people in your uh, small group, look at the people in front of you, in the row in front of you. Look at the people in the row behind you. If you follow Jesus, I want to introduce you to your family. These are your brothers and sisters. And you thought your natural family was uh, dysfunctional, right? Um, but when this life is over, the people who are your brothers and sisters in Jesus now, they will still uh, be your brothers and sisters in Jesus because there's only one forever family. And that's why we talk a lot about small groups around here. Being a part of a group of 4 to 12 people that you, you know, meet with regularly, that you get to know and can become friends with and, and pray with and rely on. We talk a lot about groups, but I wonder, do we really get what it's about? Because it's not just about finding people to support you and be your friend. It's about becoming the family of God. 
the family of, of Jesus. Every small group is like a little nu- nuclear family in God's extended family. So that's the vision Jesus has for relationships in the church, for the church to be a family. But here's the hard part. For those relationships to develop, it takes initiative. It takes initiative on your part. And that's difficult to do. Because if we feel lonely, sometimes we have a tendency to feel sorry for ourselves, to wallow in self-pity. Nobody calls me. Nobody cares about me. Nobody shows concern for me. And that kind of thinking can drive a a person deeper into isolation where the loneliness gets sharper and more painful. Now, you may not like to hear this, but you must assume responsibility for your life. You must assume responsibility for developing a few key relationships. As difficult as as it might be, you need to pick up the phone. You need to sign up for an event. You need to walk into a room of, of new people because we have many small groups around River Glen But you know what? We can only make these opportunities available to you. Beyond that, you must take the uh, initiative. And it may not work the first time or a second time or a third time, but you keep at it until God leads you to a small group of people that you can share your life with and develop some meaningful relationships. That's why every time we begin a new series like this, we also start a new small group on Thursday nights. And you're welcome. Everybody's welcome. It's It's an open group. You can stop by the fireplace uh, at the, in the lobby on, on Thursday night and be part of a group. Stop at the uh, uh, Connect wall if you want to find out uh, more. All right, a third way to reduce loneliness, increase our joy, is to devote yourself to doing God's work. Remember, Paul's waited in chains for five uh, years, waiting for the verdict, but he doesn't really focus on, on, on worrying about the outcome. He's not really worrying about what he can't control. Instead, look at what he says here in verse 12. He says, now I want you to know, uh, brothers and sisters, in other words, you know, I, want you, I want to be clear, I want to be really clear about something uh, because you might think one way, but actually the opposite has happened. You would think that being in chains would be the worst thing that could happen to Paul. Paul says, no, that what has happened to me has actually served to advance uh, the gospel. As a result, it has become clear throughout the whole palace guard and to everyone else that I am in chains for Christ. In other words, I love this. They put, they put Paul in chains in prison, and Paul goes, okay, I'll start a prison ministry. They chain him to a Roman guard, and the guards took turns being chained uh, to Paul. Paul says, I've got a captive audience. And these guards, some of them might go on to become leaders in the Roman government. I'm advancing the gospel because of these chains in prison. Here's a question for you. Do you have something in your life that you feel chained to that you think is keeping you from joy? You know, do you have something in your life that you say, well, man, that's keeping me from really living? I don't know. Maybe you feel chained to a dead-end job, coworkers that you can't stand. Maybe you pray, God, you know, get me out of here. Help me find a new job with new coworkers. But maybe God has you there in that place with those people so that they can see Jesus in you, so that you can point them to Jesus. Or, I don't know, maybe you feel chained to a grumpy neighbor. Maybe, maybe it's a, a gossipy neighbor, and sometimes when you come home, you drive by, and you just, you just hope that you'll see a for sale sign you know, posted in their front yard. I don't know, maybe you've had some thoughts of going over there in the middle of the night and posting a, a for sale sign on your neighbor's uh, front yard. But maybe God has you chained to a neighbor to a neighborhood because he wants that person to experience his love through you. 
Maybe you feel chained to a bad marriage. Maybe you're feeling chained to a broken down body. Maybe you're feeling, feeling chained to a rebellious child. And you're asking God, why are you letting this happen? Well, sometimes our greatest obstacles provide us the greatest opportunity to show people the God that we serve, the God that we love. And Paul says that these chains have served to advance the gospel, have served to advance God's work. And I know that goes against the, 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 the grain in our culture, goes against the mindset in our culture. We tend to think that, our, that life is about, is about buying and consuming and receiving. But you know what? Studies have actually shown that self-indulgence can multiply loneliness. And it's when we serve the needs of others, it's when we practice uh, generosity that it counters the loneliness and we experience, I mean, the thrill of being used by God. And we feed ourselves. This past year, many of you have devoted yourself more fully to doing God's work through Unfinished. Many of you have, have given generously to advance the gospel through un, Unfinished. Last Saturday night, we held a party to celebrate the one-year milestone. And we had a great time. Our team came up with this idea. We gave out mirrors, small pieces of, small pieces of mirror. And we invited people to take a marker and write a word or a phrase or a symbol on the mirror that represents what the first year of Unfinished has meant to you or what you expect the next year of Unfinished to mean to you. And I just want to read a few of the words. Here's, here's how a few people uh, responded. Unfinished means family. Unfinished means together. It means peace. Several people wrote down the word joy. Blessings beyond belief. Gratitude, love, awakening. You can read them for yourself on the, on the boards in the unfinished part of the, part of the lobby. We also have pieces of mirror there with markers. You can write your own word or phrase or, or picture of what unfinished has, has meant to you or what you expect it will mean to you and just Velcro it uh, to, the, to the board. And then every time we look at that board, we'll see stories of unfinished that will uh, encourage us. But isn't it fa fascinating how when we devote ourselves more fully to God's work, it not only helps other people, it reduces our loneliness and increases our joy. And that's why Paul finds excitement and joy in real life in chains in prison. So take another look at these three secrets, these three activities that diffuse and reduce loneliness. As I looked over this list and thought about it, it occurred to me, you know what? This is not just how to reduce loneliness. These three are the vision for our church. We talk about making three C followers of Jesus. The first C is that we celebrate our, 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 our personal relationship with Jesus. We do that every weekend here. The, the symbol here is an arrow up. And then we can celebrate Jesus all week long. The second C is that we connect with others through a small group. The arrows uh, point toward each other. And then the third C is contribute. We contribute to the mission by serving needs and reaching new people for Jesus. The arrow points outward. Some people do one C. Some people do two Cs. I encourage people, do all three. And it will not only reduce loneliness. This is the vision. This is the mission of our church. And this is what unfinished is about. Unfinished is really an opportunity to celebrate and get closer to Jesus and go deeper with Jesus. Make this a journey of, of prayer guided by your relationship with Jesus. And it's an opportunity to connect with each other. Talk about stories of unfinished. Pray for each other. Encourage each other. 
And remember that Unfinished is a great opportunity for all of us to contribute to God's uh, mission of advancing the gospel of, of Jesus. Now, I know there are some of us who are new to River Glen and new to Unfinished, and you're wondering, you know, what is Unfinished? What is this Unfinished journey? Well, our team put together a, a booklet. I think there was, you found one on your chair. Take this with you and read it. It's full of information about Unfinished. It's full of updates about Unfinished. Read it. Use it as a prayer tool. And if you have questions, let us know. We'd love for you to jump in and make an unfinished commitment for the final 12 months so that you can experience the spiritual growth uh, that comes from boldly trusting him. And uh, we want everybody to have an unfinished uh, t-shirt. We've got a bunch of them. Stop by the unfinished wall today to get one. Unfinished is for all of us. And then there's others of, of you, like myself, who made an unfinished commitment a year ago. And here's what I want to say to you. Thank you. Thank you. You've, you've, you've probably experienced God working in you and definitely working through you, but maybe for some of you, the journey's not been easy. There's been some things that have happened that you didn't see coming. I hope this series inspires you and empowers you to finish strong. And then there may be some of us who've maybe grown spiritually in our relationship with Jesus, or maybe we've been blessed financially uh, since we made our unfinished commitment. It's not that Making the commitment to unfinish has been easy, but um, you're sensing that God may be challenging you, stretching you to take a step, to take another step of unfinished for him. I would encourage you to do so. Now, I want to introduce you to somebody who is uh, making a big step of faith as part of unfinished. Part of unfinished involves starting two new campuses. One is an online campus that launches uh, today, and then second is a physical campus in the fall of 2018. I think of it like River Glen starting a fourth service, except it's going to be 15 to 30 minutes away from here in a facility that we rent or lease. And it will give more people access to what God's doing through River Glen. And so we reached out to experts in this field and we asked for their advice. And all of them said the same, same thing. They said, make sure that you, that you find and you hire the right campus pastor. Now, some of you are wondering, you know, what, is a, what, you know, what do you look for in a campus pastor? What does a campus pastor do? Well, number one, they get me coffee, all right? One sugar, two cream. That's what I like. But here's some qualities that we look for in a good campus pastor. According to experts, the campus pastor needs to be, number one, a team player. Uh, number two, a good communicator. Not, necess- not necessarily a Bible teacher because we can share the same message from this campus but somebody who is, a, is, is comfortable communicating to a room of people. Number three, needs to be able to build relationships. Number four, a high-capacity leader who develops other leaders. And then someone, number five, who carries the DNA of this church because this is not a separate church plant. This is part of River Glen. And so we want somebody who carries our DNA. So we look for someone from within who has demonstrated these leadership qualities. And I'm really excited to tell you that we have found this person. And uh, we put this person through a very thorough hiring process, even sending this person with their spouse to a three-day assessment with an outside organization. And they gave this person their highest recommendation. So I'm really excited to introduce our first campus pastor. And uh, here here it is. Come on out, Dave Cole and his wife Sharon. Let's welcome them. Welcome, Dave, Sharon, and Brett, 
and, and Tori, welcome. Many of you know that Dave and Sharon have served as excellent leaders in our church. They started and grew the marriage ministry in our church that has just transformed uh, countless marriages. They've led many, many small groups over the years. A few years ago, Dave even went on a mission trip over to Nairobi, Kenya to help the Christian school that uh, we began a few years ago. And Dave has served faithfully as an elder for eight years on the uh, elder team that oversees the uh, uh, church. So I'm excited for Dave and, and Sharon and, and their uh, family as they begin this uh, new chapter. Dave's going to begin with us officially January 1st, and so you're going to see more of him next year, hear more from him as he begins the process of uh, recruiting and developing a launch team. We're hoping and praying that 150 of you uh, will go with them to start this new location. Now, many people are asking, where's it going to be? And uh, great question, uh, we, but we can't answer that right now. We're working hard on it. We'll keep you posted. I do want to ask you to pray and uh, pray for two things, uh, at least for two things. Thank God that we found a, an excellent campus pastor. Uh, we're sending our best to start this new location. And then pray too for God to open a door for a facility for this new location. In fact, I want to do that right now. I want to pray for uh, Dave and Sharon and their family and uh, for all of us as we get ready to share communion uh, together. God, thank you so much for Unfinished. Thank you, God, for putting these amazing opportunities in front of us uh, to really go to another level as a church when it comes to our mission of advancing the good news about Jesus. And thank you so much for the way River Glen has, has responded with faith and amazing generosity. God, thank you for Dave, Cole, and his family. Protect them. Use them. Thank you for his willingness to step out in faith and lead this new ministry, this new campus. Give him wisdom and guidance every step of the way. And God, thank you so much that we're not doing this alone. Because of the sacrifice Jesus made for us on the cross, Jesus removed every single barrier so that every one of us can be in relationship with you. And we want to just trust you, God, that you will continue to build your church, that you will continue to build River Glen and lead this new campus to make more and better followers of Jesus. And it's in his name we pray. Amen. Thanks, Dave and Sharon, Tori and Brett. And uh, they're going to be out in the lobby. They'll be in the lobby at the Unfinished Wealth. Be sure to stop by and uh, say hello and, and speak a word of encouragement uh, to them. As we get ready to share uh, communion, one more verse from Philippians uh, chapter 1. This is toward the end of the chapter. I think it just summarizes Unfinished. And you know what? It also gives some pretty good instructions to prepare us for communion. Paul says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. And then whether I come and see you or only hear about you in my absence, I will know that you stand firm in the one spirit, striving together as one for the faith of the uh, uh, gospel. A couple challenges he gives. One is a personal challenge. Evaluate yourself and make sure you're following Jesus in a way that honors him and advances the gospel. And then second is more of a church challenge for us to stay united, to protect our unity as one around Jesus as his family. As we prepare for communion, would you reflect on that verse? Our communion is, is open to anyone who says yes and to Jesus. And would you use this time 
And ask God, pray to God, and ask him to just open your eyes to any area in your life where he wants to do a finishing work in you.